Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be saved. Amen. Good to be under the gospel tent on this Friday morning. And uh, it's hot, but I sure am glad I'm not going to hell. Amen. I was thinking, Brother Cook, I was sitting there and uh, while the wind quit blowing, you know, it get just really hot, you know, for moments of time. And uh, we've been preaching through the book of the Revelation on Wednesday nights. And we were in chapter 7 this past Wednesday night talking about those tribulation saints that get saved during the great tribulation or during the tribulation period. The Bible tells us that they are standing before God, worshiping the Lord with palm leaves. And the Lord says something in chapter 7, verse number 16. He tells them, they shall hunger no more. And thirst no more, neither shall the sun light upon them or any heat. Amen. Amen. Glad there's air conditioning in heaven. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But I'm glad to be saved. Good to be here with you on this Friday morning. Thank you, preacher, for letting us come. And I've had the opportunity to meet some of you. Haven't had a chance to meet all of you, but it sure is good to see all of you. Brother Jesse, sure is nice to meet you and your family. What a blessing, the good singing already this morning. And Brother Henry, thank you for the good preaching, brother. Appreciate, I appreciate the Word of God, don't you? And uh, the power of the Word of God changes lives. Appreciate the good reports we've heard already this week about all the folks whose lives have been impacted by the gospel. And maybe some even here this morning who've been saved this week under this gospel tent. Thank God, I'm glad Jesus is still in the saving business But let me say this, if you've recently been saved, salvation is not the end. That's all you need to get you to heaven, but that's not all you need to have abundant life. Jesus didn't save you so you can endure this life and get to heaven when you die. But he saved you that you might have life and have it abundantly. He wants you to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so I hope to this morning, if the Lord will help, us, will help us, I want to share with you from the Word of God the secret to having that joy. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Uh, I hear Brother Spears is supposed to be with you tonight. I'll be much in prayer for you. He can, uh, uh, now he's a, Brother Spears is a great friend. Me and him are, are great friends. We don't live that far from one another. We fellowship a lot together. And preach a good bit uh, from time to time together. And I appreciate Brother Spears. You're in for a treat tonight. I know he'll be a blessing to your heart. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. When you find your place, let's honor the Lord as we stand. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 11 this morning. The Bible says in Deuteronomy and the 11th chapter. I'd like to call your attention to verse number 26. Verse number 26. The Bible says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if ye will, if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, 
that thou shalt, now this is important, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Now, I would like to call your attention, if you would, to verse number 26, where the Lord, and he tells us what the illustration of that blessing and curse is in verse 29, but in verse number 26, he says, Behold, I set before you this day. That is in this life, in the here and now. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Now, when you study the context of this chapter, you know that he's referring to the promised land, Canaan land, the, the land that flows with milk and honey, the land that was God's best for his people. God said, I have set before you that land to be a blessing and a curse. Father, thank you for the word of God that our ears have already heard this morning. Thank you for the clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that it was that gospel that changed and transformed our lives for time and eternity. And Lord, we do pray if there's still one under the sound of our voice this morning that does not know you in the free part of sin, that this would be the wonderful day that they would say yes to Jesus. And Lord, know what it is to be born again. I pray that you would speak to every heart, encourage the saint. God, I pray that you would draw the backslider, the, that person who may be out of fellowship with you. Lord, I pray that you would draw them back to yourself this morning. God, I pray for all of us who are saved by the grace of God that revival fires would burn in our heart and in our soul in these days in which we live. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of the Lord's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. When you come to the book of Deuteronomy and the 11th chapter, the children of Israel are standing at the edge of the Jordan River, Brother Jesse, and the Bible tells us they are looking over into Canaan land. While they're standing there, God is showing them what they could have. They're standing there and God is letting a visual become a reality to, the, to them to a promise that God had made to their Paul named Abraham. And so here the children of Israel are standing there looking over into the promised land. And the Bible tells us that there were two mountains specifically that God calls their attention to. A mountain called Mount Gerizim and another mountain called Mount Ebal. Now, over there in the Middle East, if you could stand where the children of Israel were standing in that day and look over upon that Palestinian mountain range, there are two mountains that stand head and shoulders above all the other mountains in Palestine. And that is Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Mount Gerizim is to the south and Mount Ebal is to the north. And if you were to look at those mountains, the sides of the mountains, even though it's a desert land, so the mountains are very rocky and rugged, but if you were to look at those two mountains in that Palestinian mountain range, 
The sides of the mountain facing one another stand out in clear contrast. Now they're standing head and shoulders above all the other mountains. But the sides of the mountains facing one another, Mount Ebal was barren. It was rocky. Nothing grew on Mount Ebal. It was just a very rugged, a very rocky, and still is to this day a very rugged, rocky mountain. But Mount Jerusalem to the south, on the side facing Mount Ebal, was a very fertile land. It was very fruitful, very green with vegetation. And God has given a visual aid to his children as to what Canaan land could be to their lives, their marriages, and their families. And he said, I want you to look over. And God has given a a sermon illustration, if you will. And he said, look at these two mounts. And it was almost as if they were staring each other in the face. Mount Jerusalem and Mount Ebal. Fruitfulness was staring face to face with barrenness. And as those two mountains looked at one another, God said, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. He said, This land that I have set before you this day, it has the potential for your life to be like Mount Jerusalem or for your life to be like Mount Ebal. It has the potential for your life, for your life and your family to be fruitful and fertile and full of life. Or that same land that God had promised Abraham. That same land that flowed with milk and honey. God said that same land can be a Mount Ebal in your life. Your life can be dry and desert and thirsty. As a matter of fact, I want you to notice what the Lord said. In verse number 13, he said, And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently to my commandments, which I have commanded you to this day, to love the Lord thy God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land. Here it is. The rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. In other words, God said that land has the potential. He said, I'll send rain out if you will hearken unto me and be diligent to keep my commandments and love me with all of your heart and all of your soul. You see, that land was never intended to be a blessing to everybody. It was intended to be a blessing to the obedient. And God said, if you will obey my commandments that I have given you, that land will be a land full of rain, full of the early rain and the latter rain. He said, I'll make sure I water the grass of your cattle's field. I'll fatten your cows up that you may be full, amen, and need nothing. But notice what he goes on to say in the next verse. He says in the next verse, in verse 16, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. Don't think just because you're a child of God that automatically these things are going to come. Don't think that just because you've been saved out of Egypt that these things are automatically going to come. Be not deceived. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against against you. And he shut up the heaven and there be no rain. 
Look at this. And that the land yield not her fruit, and lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. He said, this land has the ability to fatten your cows up and fatten your life up. But he said, that same land, if you hearken not to my word, but you go chasing the gods that this world serves, when you start chasing money and materialism and all the pagan gods that this world is after, God said that land that has the potential to be a great blessing and amount Jasm to your life will be a land where you can dry up like Mount Ebal. In other words, there was the potential, Brother Butcher, to dry up and starve. He said, that's thou perish in a good land. They, they had the potential to starve to death in the land of plenty. Can I say there's folks sitting in our churches all across America that are starving to death in the land of plenty. Spiritually speaking, they are Mount Ebal's. There's Mount Jerusalem's all around them. There's folks sitting beside them. Their lives are flourishing. Their marriages are flourishing. Their families, their, the church is flourishing. The very church they're in is a Mount Jerusalem. Yeah. But while they're in the midst of a land of plenty, yet inwardly their lives are barren and dry and fruitless. And they are starving to death in a place where they're getting a steady diet of preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They're around the old-fashioned worship and the saints of God. They're around folks who've been delivered by the power of God who are walking in victory and shouting in victory, but yet they sit there on a church pew drying up like a prune on God. Now, why is that? My question this morning is why are so many people starving to death in the land of plenty? I'm going to tell you why. When you study the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find out that the theme of the book of Deuteronomy is a trip down memory lane. There's a common theme that's mentioned over and over. As you read the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find these two phrases. Remember, forget not. Remember, forget not. Remember. Forget not. Remember. Forget not. Why did God give an entire book in the Old Testament as a reminder of what the Lord had done for his people? I'm going to tell you why. Because the Lord says, I want you to love me and keep my commandments, not because you have to, but I want you to do it because you want to, because you love me, because of what I have done for you. The minute we forget what God has done for us, we will all become unthankful and self-centered and selfish, and we will lose our joy and our desire to praise God and lift up holy hands and serve the Lord with gladness and God said lest you forget I want you to remember 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 forget not now here's the question what was it what is it that God doesn't want his people to forget what is it that will provoke us to love him and keep his commandments what is it that will provoke us to live a life that would allow our lives to be a Mount Jerusalem, a fruitful land, a fruitful life. What is it that will cause a land of plenty to fatten up our cows and turn our fields green? I'm going to tell you what it is, ladies and gentlemen. 
It is this, notice what he says here. It is to love the Lord. He says in verse 1, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God. That's the key. Love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. In other words, he said, you need to remember some things that will provoke you to love me and live right and keep my commandments and live by the book always. Now, I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that he reminded them of even in this chapter. Brother Henry, when you look at verse, chapter number 11, you'll find out that the entire chapter is a reminder of what God had done for his people. And he said, when you remember these things... It ought to provoke you to love me and keep my commandments. In verse number 2 through verse number 4, he said it would do us all good to take a trip down memory lane and remember the great deliverance that we have all experienced. He said in verse number 2, I'm not preaching to those who have not known my ways and have not seen my mighty acts and my wonderful works. He said, I'm talking to folks who were there when I came down and sent my man down to Egypt to deliver you out of Egyptian bondage. He said, don't you ever forget what it was like when you were down there for 400 years in Egypt's land, making mortar and making brick, serving under Pharaoh's iron fist. Don't you ever forget the misery of the world and the misery of serving the devil and the misery of serving Pharaoh. Don't you ever forget where you were when I found you. You see, for 400 years, they had been down in Egypt making brick and making mortar and Pharaoh made their heart, they made their lives rigorous and hard and weary worn. But one day, their lives was interrupted because God sent a man into their world to bring a message of deliverance to square off with the devil eyeball to eyeball and say, God sent let my people go. That's right. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you what the problem is. Most of us, after being saved for a while, we forget where we were when the Lord found us. I'm going to tell you why. We, I'm going to tell you why we lose the glitter of it all. I'm going to tell you why our lives become a Mount Ebal over time instead of a Mount Jerusalem in a land that's full of plenty in a land that could be heaven on earth for us but notice he says in that land he said it is possible to dry up and to forget what God did for us when he crushed Pharaoh's chariots under his mighty hand. God said, don't you ever forget how I brought you out with a high hand. Don't you ever forget the misery that dope and alcohol and lying and stealing and cheating and all the things of this world brought to your life. Don't you ever forget the heartache of trying to chase the almighty dollar instead of living for the almighty God. Don't you ever forget what your world was like before I interrupted your world and I brought you out and I crushed Pharaoh. I ran the wheels off his chariot and delivered you with a high hand. Don't you forget. I'm going to tell you something, brother. When we forget where God brought us from, we will, listen to me now, we will let our Canaan land become barren and dry and thirsty. God will shut up the rain in the land of plenty. He said, don't you ever forget the great deliverance that we've experienced. In verse number five, he said, don't you ever forget 
the daily benefits that we've enjoyed since we've been saved. Amen. He said, you don't, don't just remember what I did for you when you were down in Egypt, verse 2 through 4. But you remember what I've done for you since I brought you out of Egypt. In verse number 5, since you've made your wilderness journey, in verse number 5, he said, don't you forget that I have stuck by your side even when you've been rebellious, even when you haven't been all you should be. I've still taken care of you. I've still sent water from the rock. I've still sent food from heaven. I've still let your clothes grow on your back and your shoes on your feet. All those years you murmured and complained against my servant Moses. I've not abandoned you. I've not left you. I've been faithful to you when you haven't been faithful to me. And God said you better remember all the days God's been faithful to you when you wasn't faithful to him lest you forget and turn aside out of the way and serve other gods then number three he said we need to remember the great deliverance we've experienced we need to forget not forget not remember forget not not only the great deliverance we've experienced the daily benefits we've enjoyed but thirdly he said you need to remember the devils we have encountered since we've been saved. In verse number 6, he reminds them of what he did to Dathan and Abiram. He reminds them of those adversaries that rose up against Moses to try to derail, used of Satan to try to derail the work of God. And I want you to notice, ladies and gentlemen, if you go back and read number 16, you'll find out they had a little conspiracy going on against God's man. They didn't like the fact that God was speaking to him and he was leading God's people. And so they have a little business meeting together and they start a conspiracy and they come. They didn't burn down Moses' tent. Listen to me now. They didn't, they didn't throw rotten eggs at him. They didn't cuss him out. All they did was they said, Moses... We really don't need a spiritual leader. We're our own spiritual leader. God can speak to us just like He speaks to you. And if you don't believe that, that kindled the wrath of God, it's the only time in history that God parted the earth and opened up hell itself and swallowed people alive. That's the only people in the Bible that went to hell without dying. They literally dropped off into fire and the Bible says they heard the cries and the screaming of the people as they fell down into the pit because they would not follow God's man. But I want you to notice, ladies and gentlemen, Moses didn't have to fight them. Moses didn't have to run them out of town. No, sir. There was a God in heaven when Moses was laying in his living room on his face before God, crying himself, amen, to sleep at night. There was a God in heaven who says, I'm going to take care of my man as long as you keep preaching that book and you keep leading my people. I will fight your devils. I will fight your battles. And God said, don't you forget all the devils I fought in your life. Amen. I don't know how many pastors we've got here this morning. But I'm telling you something, brother, we're pastoring in difficult days. We're pastoring in the Laodicean church age where men, churches are governed and controlled by the people. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Folks, amen, want to fuss and fight over everything under the sun. And I'm just going to be honest with you, brother. 
There's folks that are making preachers' lives miserable, and I don't have any sad stories to tell. God's been good to this preacher. But I'm going to tell you something. I've had my share of battles, and I've faced my share of Dathans and Abirams and Koras in my ministry. But I'm going to tell you something, brother. There's been times, Brother Cook, that I didn't know that we were going to make it through. It seemed like hell was oozing. It seemed like the powers of darkness were coming in from every direction. It looked like, amen, sin was winning and the devil was grinning. But I'm telling you, there came a time when I had just had to give it to God. I couldn't take the bull by the horns. I couldn't fix it no matter how hard I tried as a pastor. You cannot fight hell. But there's a God in heaven who can take the bull by the horns and clip his horns and shove his foot, amen, on the back of his neck and shove his face in the ground. There's a God in heaven who's been faithful to his church. He said, don't forget the devils we've encountered. But that's not what I want to show you before we go. Watch this now. He said, don't forget the great, the daily benefits, the great deliverance we've experienced, the daily benefits we've enjoyed, the devils we've encountered. He said, there's one thing I want you to notice. He said, remember and forget not. Remember and forget not. Remember and forget not. The delight it brings on earth. Not when we get to heaven, but here on earth. If we will love the Lord thy God with all of our heart and keep his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments. He said, I want to show you the benefits. You don't have to wait to the judgment seat of Christ to benefit from obedience. You don't have to wait until you get to heaven to benefit from obedience. But notice what the Lord says in verse number 19. Now watch this now. He says in verse number 19, And ye shall teach them, talking about the commandments of God, you shall teach them to your children, speaking to them that, that when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest in the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. Look in verse 21. That your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in where? In the land. Notice, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them. Talking about the land of Canaan. As the days of heaven upon the earth. I would like for you to underscore that phrase at the end of verse number 21. God said, if you will... Obey my commandments. Love me enough to teach my commandments to your children. Write them upon the doorpost of your heart, of your house. He said, when you get up in the morning, talk about the Bible. When you sit down at supper, talk about the Bible. When you're going to bed at night, talk about the Bible. Don't sit in front of the television 24 hours. Talk about spiritual things. Talk about the Bible. Talk about, amen, fall in love with God's Word all over again. He said, if you'll love me and love my Word and talk about the Bible. He said, here's what it'll do. He said that thy day on earth look at the end of verse 21 that thy days upon the earth everybody see this as the day that your days may be as the days of heaven he said your days in verse 21 would be multiplied and your children and the land which I swear to give your fathers as the days of heaven upon the earth I'm preaching on the secret to enjoying heaven here on earth. The secret to enjoying heaven here 
on earth. Notice the Lord said, I have set before you this day a blessing and a curse. And you have the ability to choose this day whether you want the land of plenty to be a blessing to your life or the greatest curse to your life. It can be a, a land where rain comes plentifully. Spiritually speaking for us today in the New Testament, it can be a land where God will send the early rain and then He won't forget about us, Brother Jesse, but He'll send the latter rain. It'll be a land, He said in verse 16 and 17, where I'll make sure that I fatten your cattle up so you can be full. I'll make sure your cupboards are full. I'll make sure your children's bellies are full. I'll make sure that there's something to satisfy you and your children in this land. Notice he said, I've set before you this day a land that can be the greatest blessing to your life. It has the ability and the potential to be like heaven. Can, can you believe that? That God said there is something on earth that has the potential. And I'm convinced the majority of Christians have never tapped into it. But there's a land, a spiritual land for God's people. It has the potential to be as the days of heaven here on earth. But notice what God said in verse 26. He said, I'm not just setting before you a land that has the potential to be a blessing. And be heaven on earth. But it has the potential to be a curse here on earth. I would dare say there's a lot of Christians enduring the curse instead of enjoying the blessing of Canaan land. Now Canaan land in the Bible is a picture of the victorious Christian life. Yes, there's battles and there's walls and there's giants. But there's a God that can just at the shout of his people, slap down walls and knock down giants. And God said, you don't have to fight. You just got to shout by faith and trust me to fight for you. Just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And I want you to notice, ladies and gentlemen, every day that we live, we choose whether we want to enjoy the blessings of God that day. I'm talking about as saved people. I'm not talking about as lost people. But as a child of God, every day I live, I make a choice whether I want to enjoy the blessings of God that day of my life or whether I want to endure the curses that come along with disobedience to my God. He said in verse 21, he said that your days may be as the day on earth, may be as the days of heaven. Brother, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to enjoy heaven. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to have a slice of heaven, but God has sliced off a piece of heaven and lowered it down on planet earth. And he said, I care enough about you to give you a little taste of your future while you're living in this life. Now, lest there be anybody here who say, that's Old Testament. That don't apply to us. Let me tell you, brother, according to what the New Testament says, all these things are written for our admonition. And all these things have spiritual significance to me and you under the New Covenant in the New Testament church. Let me say, ladies and gentlemen, that there are some things that God has set before every one of us under this tabernacle. There are some things that God has set before my life and God has set before your life to be a blessing or a curse. A blessing if we'll love Him enough to obey Him and keep His commandments. 
But if we forget and we remember not the goodness of the Lord and what he's done in our lives and we start playing footsies with the world and playing patty cake with the devil and flirting with sin and God said when we turn aside to go after the gods that this world is serving he said let me tell you that land that I gave you to make your life like heaven on earth can become hell on earth for you you think amen if you don't believe it ask Achan I'm going to tell you where Achan was Achan wasn't in Egypt and Achan wasn't in the wilderness Achan was in Canaan land and Achan found out real big that that land that flows with milk and honey and has the potential to be heaven on earth when you disobey God rocks will pile up on your head I'm telling you bro there's serious consequences even for a child of God if we willfully disobey the commandments of the word of God I'm glad we're saved by grace we're going to heaven we're kept by grace there's plus nothing minus nothing you don't listen you don't have to do anything to get to heaven except believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved but you won't have heaven on earth by just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ you're going to have to walk in the precepts of God's word you're going to have to eat that book day and night you're going to have to stay on your knees in prayer you're going to have to remember what God Almighty has done in your life in days gone by let me give you a few things quickly God set before us today as a blessing and a curse a blessing it has the potential to make our life heaven on earth. Or it has the potential to make our life seem like hell on earth. God's saying this morning, number one, I set before you this day my sanctuary. Be a blessing and a curse. Do you know who God was talking to here? God was talking to the children of Israel. Do you know what God had just done for them? God had just called Moses up on the mount and given him the blueprints for the tabernacle. God said, I know there's a couple million of you Jews that I brought out of Egypt and I couldn't meet with you in your tent if I wanted to, but I want to prepare a place that's set aside just for me to meet with my people. And he spends several chapters in the book of Exodus, given Moses the blueprints for the tabernacle. And all those pieces of furniture, the sizes, the dimensions, everything about them. He said, I want you to put a curtain around it. I don't want you to be distracted by what's going on out there. He said, I want you to come. And he said, after he gave the blueprints, he said, that I may meet with thee there. Where is there? There is God's tabernacle. There is God's sanctuary. Notice God could have met with them in their tent. And by the way, I'm glad God can meet with us at our house. But there will never be a substitute for the local New Testament church. Jesus didn't leave the church here because He needed it. Jesus left the church here because we need it. I'm glad, thank God, these were delivered people. They had been saved out of Egypt. But God said, even though you're saved, you still need a place to meet with me and for me to meet with you. Now, if you notice what that, that sanctuary, that tabernacle was, when you read the book of the Revelation, you'll find out that every piece of furniture in that tabernacle is in heaven while I'm preaching. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that that Old Testament tabernacle and that temple was a pattern of the heavenly tabernacle not made with hands. 
And those Old Testament sacrifices that Brother Henry was talking about are a figure or a pattern of the perfect sacrifice, amen, that ascended into the holy place not made with hands, that is, in the heavenlies, to sprinkle His blood on that mercy seat for us. You read the book of the Revelation, you'll find out that the brazen altar's there. It's there. It's not like the one in the Old Testament because there's no sacrifices being offered on it. But the laver's there. The candlestick's there. The, 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 the altar of incense is there, offering up the prayers of the martyrs and the saints. You'll find out that even the Ark of the Covenant is in heaven. Read it. It's in the book of the Revelation. And when we find that Old Testament tabernacle, Brother Cook, all those things were an earthly figure of the more perfect tabernacle in heaven. Now that one on earth had flaws, it had faults because it was made by the hands of men. But it was designed by God. But even though it had faults and flaws, it did not give them an excuse not to come, not to worship God, not to attend. Even Solomon's temple was made by the hands of man. But it was designed by God Almighty. Let me say this, ladies and gentlemen, there's not a perfect church on planet earth. If you're waiting to find a perfect church to get in church, even Jesus pastored, amen, and when his church was not perfect. He had the devil there in his church also. Amen. Judas Iscariot. And you'll never find a perfect church. The only perfect church will be when we get to heaven. But Jesus left the church here and he said this is going to be a slice of heaven for your life. I'm setting before you a place where I can meet with you. Now watch this. After God gave Moses the blueprints, they set up, they erected the tabernacle, all the pieces of furniture, just like God said. The Bible says, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Did you hear what I said? I want to come off the stage. I'm trying not to. The glory of the Lord. What is the glory of God? What is on the throne of God in heaven while I'm preaching? The glory of God that is in the third heaven came down in that holy of holies. And the Shekinah glory of God filled that holy place, that holy of holies. You know what was happening, Brother Jesse? Heaven came down to earth. God said, I'm giving you a place. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to experience my glory. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to get a taste of my glory. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy a little bit of heaven on earth. But God said, I'm going to make a place where I can bring heaven to earth. That your days on the earth may be as the days of heaven. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, if you look in a bird's eye view of that tabernacle, God's tent sat right in the middle and the 12 tribes' tents were all the way around it. There was tents on the north, tents on the east, tents on the west, tents on the south, two million Jews encamped about God's tent. All their tents were round about. That means everything going on at their tent, everything going on at their house, revolved around everything that was going on at God's house. Let me say this, brother. There's one way to have heaven on earth, and that's when you get saved. Don't get halfway in, but get all the way in. Jump in with both feet. Roll your sleeves up. Get involved in the local church. Brother, I'm a local church man from the crown of my head to the 
the soles of my feet. When I got saved, I didn't visit church. I didn't skip church. I didn't hop from church to church. I dived in head first, stayed in. I've been in ever since. It's been 23 years and it gets better and better. Sure, I've seen churches that had problems and faults and failures. But brother, the closest thing that I've ever had to heaven on this earth has been an old-fashioned, amen, worship services where the glory of God came down and met with his people.